Welcome to Big Voices, a podcast series by the Paris Institute for Critical Thinking. In each episode, one of us from the PICT faculty conducts an interview with a notable member of the broader PICT community. Our goal is to present our followers with a variety of voices across the spectrum of the humanities and critical creative thinking. My name is Avery Mamersayers, and my guest today is Anton Bonnici, director of Paris Fringe, the International Festival of Performing Arts, as well as faculty member at PICT. I must mention here that Anton has a special place in all of our hearts at PICT since in fall 2020, in the midst of curfews and other public restrictions, he has generously organized the 18-hour PICT course, the Theatre of Cruelty, from Art to In Your Face, open to all PICT members for free. Hello, Anton, and welcome to the program. Hello, Evren, and uh, thank you so much for inviting me and uh, for giving me this uh, opportunity to share some ideas with you here today on this podcast. Oh, thank you. It's, it's, it's a pleasure. Uh, Anton, on Picked Voices, we usually look at issues that occupy the public imagination, but we look at them from an in-depth, conceptual, and hopefully timeless perspective. We started the podcast in early 2020, mainly in response to COVID-19, since the crisis made it impossible for us to continue our public lectures, and we had to explore alternative ways of reaching the picked community. Our regular courses still continue in person, since we believe in small group sizes and reject online teaching on principle. But I must admit that we miss the thrill of our larger public lectures, where speakers and audience thrive on each other's presence and energy, and we cannot wait to start them up again. Now, this communal experience strikes me as something that PICT lectures have in common with theater. Theater is one of the oldest arts, and as such, it is a communal art, one which unites performers and audience in a live experience. The whole idea of theater is to get rid of what we today call social distancing. But now, with the coronavirus pandemic, a lot of theaters have gone dark, and the very idea of communal experience seems frightening to many. Do you think the art of theatre is facing an existential crisis, or is it just a temporary intermission? This is this is a very very important question. Um, um, is it an existential crisis, meaning is this something which is deeper and maybe even more permanent, or is this just something temporary? What's uh, what's interesting about this question is that. Uh, there is, of course, um, uh, the, the temporal dimension. COVID-19 is something that happened now, and it is uh, creating new situations and new concerns and new conditions that theater has to face in a very practical way right now. On the other hand, on the other hand, uh, when we talk about an existential crisis in an art form such as theater, one might also think that theater is always in an existential crisis. I think that as, as, uh, as uh, uh, an art form that has been uh, with us for so long, the whole concept of analyzing itself, reevaluating itself, reinventing itself, understanding itself, seeing what is its purpose, seeing why is it here, why do we do this? It has always been at the core of the most, you know, the most avant-garde and the most important, the most conceptual of theater makers that were always pushing the boundaries of theater for time, from time to time. Whether it was uh, Brecht, whether it was Artaud, whether whether it was uh, Albert Brooks, uh, you know, whether it was the Living Theater, 
you know, all throughout, you know, the past century and, and, and uh, uh, you have had thinkers and people and were like, okay, what is the purpose of theater? What are we doing here? So what is happening now is that I think that this situation is giving us an opportunity to almost be even more honest and maybe even be a bit more brutal with ourselves. How, how, uh, how are we going to keep theater an integral part of our lives? How are we going to keep theater as, an, as, as, as a meaningful aspect of our culture and our society? And uh, have we been uh, maybe uh, in the past taking some things for granted? Have we been maybe in the past uh, um, uh, not considering things that we were supposed to already be considering? Um, this whole idea of the human contact and this whole idea of uh, um, the social impact of theater. When one thinks, when one is honest, when one is brutally honest with oneself, over the past decades, how many theater companies have actually been truly doing this? How, how many of them have been able to go beyond being just another means of entertainment, go beyond being just another distraction and, and instead, you know, actually, you know, interact with the society and actually interact with the community? So I think it's, 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 it's a question that uh, has yet to be answered. I don't think this is a question that can that can be answered in a in a theoretical way right now because we are living it right now. It's of the moment. On the other hand, it has to be answered constantly by the people doing theater. People doing theater right now have to answer this question in what they do and how they do it. Yes, uh, as I mentioned in the beginning, Anton, uh, you are the artistic director of the Paris Fringe Festival. And this year, rather than canceling it uh, due to health concerns, you decided to hold the festival online with live-streamed performances from around the world over the four weekends of June. How was your experience of taking the Fringe online? And what is the feedback to the of the performers and the crew? And what did audiences uh, think of the experience? I would, uh, I would only ex express it as a bittersweet experience. In the sense that um, it was only after I did it was only after I did the French festival online that on a very personal level, but then also with uh, on a professional level with everybody involved, that uh, that I start to realize what is at risk. What is at risk of being lost? Um, I did the I, I did the I took the decision with uh, the people involved with my team of doing it online because we had. A lot of uh, artists already involved. We had already launched the the call for submissions for uh, Paris Fringe 2020. We already had over uh, 75, over 80 uh, um, um, uh, uh, submissions, people that wanted to be involved and people that wanted to come to Paris. So then uh, the lockdown happened. And instead of saying, no, it's not going to happen or try to postpone it, I actually launched the question to the people that submitted. So I sent a question to everybody that had submitted that wanted to be involved. I said, okay, if we do it online, will you want to be in it? Would you be interested in something different, in an online experiment where you get to change your show, you adapt your show to your current situation, and we take it online for everybody? And uh, we had a, a very good feedback. So we had 15 companies that answered back. And uh, since there was 15 companies interested and enthusiastic about it, I said, yes, it's worth doing. Let's do this. Um, uh, 15 companies is a good number to have a festival with. And there was enough shows and there was enough interest. So we did it. 
But the 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 challenge was uh, slightly bigger than than one anticipated. We we uh, got into the the electronic framework, so to speak, and we had the system all set up and uh, we could work. But then there was also a, a problem with online censorship and and. Uh, Online live online censorship is quite was much more surprisingly strong than expected. Um, uh, there aren't platforms today, aren't that set up to uh, freely uh, distribute and 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 show uh, certain material, which might be a bit more risque, which might be a bit more challenging. And this is what we want out of our theater. We want our theater to be risky, we want our theater to be, to, to be challenging. Um, we, we think that, yeah, everything can be done online and everything can be done live, but it's not really true. When you think about it, most of the things that are done live and that are done online are controlled in very tight and in very clear ways by the platforms that we use. And all of these platforms have very specific rules that one has to abide to, which might affect theater. And that affected us. Uh, midway in the festival, we couldn't do it live anymore. We had to upload our work. And that was quite a disappointment for the performance. As long as it was live, we had... Um, we had quite a strong enthusiasm going on, and it was a very interesting experiment for the performers. But once we moved from live to upload, uh, there was something lost there. Uh, the audiences still came. They still enjoyed the fact that we gave them free shows to see every weekend, and uh, they were all uh, up uploaded so they could see them, you know, and they could look at them at different times of the day. And we had a very big audience with over 3,000 people looking to uh, our webpage from all over the planet to see the different shows. We had shows from everywhere. Um, but you do miss the contact, the real festival experience. Uh, when uh, we have the real festival, like the in-person festival in Paris, you have performers and directors and show writers and producers flying in from all over the world. And you spend, you know, this time with them. You meet them. You go out. You you, you get to know each other. You get to you get you get to work together backstage. You get to prepare things, and that creates a real tight community, you know, that creates friendships that stay from year after year after year. And that was completely missed on a long, on, on an online experience. So there is something we need to find a way of, you know, holding on to. Uh, since we have already started talking about the practicalities of theatre, let's continue in that vein. Of course, theatre is not only an art, but also a profession. Uh, with various highly skilled workers, from actors to set technicians, depending on it, for their livelihoods. What is the situation of these workers today and what can the general public do to support this uh, performing arts at a time when attending a performance may not be an option? The, the situation is uh, precarious indeed in the sense that um, when one looks at in general, in general overall, um, the priorities of world governments, whether it's France, whether it's the UK, whether it's the USA, wherever, um, the the entertainment and unfortunately the arts and culture many times fall under that label of entertainment, which is already in itself uh, a discussion, right? Um, uh, is is uh, is being put a bit on the on the wayside. So uh, there's a lot of uh, 
higher priority being, being given to uh, businesses um, and to businesses um, uh, that are considered more essential to society. And unfortunately, the arts and things like um, theater, even cinema, um, are, are not being given um, the same amount of priority. So you do have a lot of people that are going to lose their jobs. You have a lot of people that have already lost their jobs. And uh, a few uh, a few weeks ago, there was the that some uh, was almost scandalous. Um, uh, the the poster that was uh, shared um, in the UK with the ballerina being told that she'll have to find an, a new job in, in in cyber and she doesn't even know it yet. And uh, it was a government poster intending to make people think about finding a new job. So. It, it, there, there is a very clear movement. It is not just subtle. It is uh, very clear, and it's actually being published and it's being uh, spoken out loud. You know, if you work in the arts, you should think twice about working in the arts. This, I feel, has another. Uh, the story has another face, and uh, it is something that I, I've, uh, I've uh, always, uh, um, always uh, struggled with myself, and it, it's, it's this, uh, this, this whole idea of uh, the arts are in danger, but isn't that part of the nature of the arts? Shouldn't we be always in danger? Aren't we the artists? Aren't we the theater makers and the writers? Aren't we the dangerous ones in, in society? Shouldn't we be the dangerous ones in society? And, and, and a priori, immediately, our role is always technically in danger. Isn't that something that we should embrace? as being who we are. Of course, this doesn't mean that we shouldn't be respected. This doesn't mean that we shouldn't have a dignified place in society. On on the other hand, um, how much should we actually uh, fight for our place in the capitalist system? Or is it another place that we should be fighting for? Um, if we are talking about a society that has a universal basic income where everybody is being respected equally and where everybody is being given their livelihood, then yes, I agree 100%. The arts should be there with everybody else. On the other hand, if we are talking about a neoliberal capitalist system that is going to squeeze everybody simply to make as much profits as possible at the detriment of everything else, then how much should we fight to be a part of that? Do we really want to be a part of that or do we want to be a part of something else? So this this situation, once again, is bringing the real questions to the forefront. It is making us ask the real questions, not in a superficial way, but in a really challenging way, maybe even in a disturbing way. How much should we be disturbing ourselves with these questions to find answers that are not just superficial answers for what to do today and tomorrow, but are real answers that will show us what is our real place in society. Uh, for my last question, I'd like to take you back to your first answer, uh, because I agree with you that in many fields of human endeavor, the pandemic has not so much created new problems, as starkly exposing problems that were already there. Since you mentioned that the problems of the performing arts today are not only caused from the outside, by states, corporations, and so on, but also from the inside, by an attitude of complicity in a transactional capitalist system, would you like to elaborate a bit on that complicity and also on any possible alternatives that you envision? Yes, very much so. Um, I was I was having a, a, an interesting discussion with a theater maker, a Parisian theater maker, a couple of weeks ago. And when I was asking him about, you know, what are what are the what are the theater, what are the French Parisian companies doing? How are they reacting to this? His answer was very peculiar and was very interesting. And he, and he told me, he said, well, he said, what's interesting is that 
it's it's very easy now to start separating the the wheat from the chaff, as we say. We we are starting to see the difference between all of those who have always been in it for the art form itself and have always been in it to push forwards what um, what art can do and what theater can do and its place in the and the other companies who have at the end of the day, simply being part of a system that in some way or another delivers a paycheck. Because you can totally see the people that are going to be like, oh no, we're not actually going to do anything until um, this theater uh, manages to fix this problem and pays us this, so and so forth, or uh, we are quite uh, comfortable not doing anything at this time time and simply uh, receiving um, uh, what the system is going to give us uh, uh, for free just to to you know, stay alive. Um, compared to those that are not actually, no, we really need to reinvent things, and we really need to find a new way of doing things, so on and so forth. So there, there is a division. There is a division um, um, coming out. There is a, a, a an element of uh, of uh, separation and, and and contrast coming out from um, uh, those uh, performers, and not just performers, um, uh, companies or. Uh, or uh, in, in, in any capacity creators that had been, so to speak, co-opted by a system and they have been completely become part of a system that as soon as that system falters or as soon as that system uh, cannot keep up with uh, what was promised before, they immediately have to stop. They immediately are, are not, you know, because because everything they do is dependent on the system. Uh, compared to others that have actually always been working outside of the system and have always been trying to create new things outside of the system and uh, are still doing so, even when uh, one sees uh, the situation uh, the way it is. Now, in practice, what does this mean? Unfortunately, this means that uh, we might need to start settling for less on a certain extent. And by less, I mean, we really need to go to maybe what uh, uh, Grotowski said was poor theater. And we need to go back to poor theater in the way that, you know, poor theater as in poor theater that has nothing, maybe even poor theater that has, you know, not even lights, that has uh, not even um, uh, not even props, that uh, this is literally one person or two people in some way or another in front of others and reducing it to the bare essentials. And then we see really what we need to be doing here and really what we we want to do here. It's very important, though, to keep the link between, you know, the audiences, the people, the society, the community and the performers. We, we cannot, you know, we cannot at the same time, we cannot alienate people too much in the sense that um, uh, there is uh, there is an element of... Uh, of challenging the audience there is an element of challenging the society but the the the, the audience also needs to be made to feel safe um if, if uh, audiences do not feel safe and this is i think what the audiences can do in the sense that audiences can become more close on a different level to companies to theater companies you don't just go to see a show but you get to know a theater company, you get to know the performers, you get to know why they are doing it. Um, you get to become part of them in the sense that you donate and you you, you help financially. I feel that uh, many more companies are going to create a much stronger social network after this. Many more companies are going to be focusing much more on we do not just put on a show. We are part of your community. We are part of your society. 
we teach, we have workshops, we have, of course, shows, but we are not just going to put on this means of entertainment for you to come watch one Saturday night. We are going to be a much more integrated part of your community. We are going to be in your schools. Um, we are going to offer opportunities for you to get to know us better. And rather than just pay tickets, you become almost, you know, part of the funding process of the whole, of of uh, of uh, the whole initiative, so to speak. I think that this more communal, more social approach is something that many more um, uh, theater companies are going to be focusing on. On the other hand, when it comes to these big budget shows um, with uh, huge sets and uh, hundreds of thousands in funding, and everybody expecting, you know a lot of remuneration and everybody expecting big box office sales i think that's going to that, that, that that's going you know that's going to be challenged much more and it's going to be much more difficult to keep up that kind of system going which uh, ultimately when you look at the core and the real life of theater it was never meant to be that it was never meant to be theater in the first place and theater was always meant to be something else so it is a, it is a challenging time it is a difficult time on the other hand there's uh, also an aspect of it's an interesting time, and it's very interesting to see where it's going to go and where will uh, the stakeholders be ready to take it. It's it's going to be very interesting to see uh, uh, who is going to come out of this process purified, so to speak, by it, and uh, who is going to be left behind. Well, Anton, thank you very much for joining us on the program today. You have certainly given us a lot of food for thought about the current state of performing arts, especially with regard to the pandemic. But at the same time, I think your comments point us beyond this particular moment in time to consider the crucial importance for all of us of live, in-person, communal experiences such as theatre and the part we must take if we want such experiences to stay alive and well. Thank you very much, Anton. Thank you very much for the invitation. It was a lovely opportunity. Thank you. That brings us to the end of another Picked Voices. Thank you all for tuning in and we hope to challenge you with another Picked Podcast very soon.